This conference is entitled Faith Do I Believe? Part 2. It was given by Lourdes Pinto at the Love Crucified Senegal on July 26, 2018. Thank you. Okay, so I'm, we're going to begin. Faith Do I Believe? And we're going to continue this week from the scripture passage of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 2 to 4, I'm going to read to you today again. And it says, When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, his heart and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go forth to meet Ahaz and say to him, take heed, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint. I'm going to cover all four of those. Tonight, I think I will only get through number one, which is take heed. So we'll see. What I do want you to understand is that it's not like a process where you first take heed and then you be quiet. All four of these instructions from God to the Israel people through Isaiah, when we live a storm in our life, need to all be present. And you'll see as, as I cover this, how, how it all works. But tonight, we're going to cover Take Heath. And it'd be really good for all of us to actually memorize these words from God to Isaiah, these four things that are going to help us tremendously when God allows storms in our lives or just like St. Paul, a thorn in our flesh. So what does it mean to take heed? It actually means to be attentive. So what has God shown us in love crucified that we have to be attentive to? Well, we must be attentive to our hearts and to God. During the storms of our lives, we are also shaken like the Israelite people were. And they had reason to be shaken. These were powerful armies coming up against them. And just like when we are also shaken through a storm, our emotions can be so intense that we too become confused, scared, and react in those intense emotions. So the first thing we must do in a storm in our life is to be attentive to what is happening in our hearts. So we need to be quiet. So actually be attentive and be quiet, enter silence, go hand in hand. The human tendency when we enter a storm is the opposite is to react either in anger, in frustration, to if the storm is with another person is to lash out at that person, to blame that person, or to call a good friend and start to, to you know, vent. vent with your friend. And yet, we have to do the opposite. We need to be attentive to our hearts and to be quiet. It's very important that you remember what's on page 106 and 107 in your path, where we learn in the path to go deeper into our hearts. And this is when we were learning in the path how to actually find the wounds in our hearts, 
how we open the doors of our heart to allow the Holy Spirit to enter those deep places in our hearts that we don't even know that are there. And that is through the questions, why? The minute we start before God in prayer, asking him why, we immediately open the door to the light of God to enter to give us the answers. So we need to be silent and begin asking God at that moment of the storm questions such as this. What is the piercing I am feeling? What is the pain? It isn't enough for us to feel pain. It is really important for us to identify the pain that we're feeling. Name it. Why am I feeling such an intense sorrow? By asking these questions to God, we are allowing God to guide us. We are allowing the Holy Spirit to come into our soul to guide us through this deep process. It is very important that you write the answers to these questions in your journal. It's not enough to just ask the questions. The writing of the answers in your journal, the actual putting it on paper, helps us tremendously. It, it begins to reveal to us what is in our heart. In that process, we begin to dissect our hearts. We begin to separate consciously the pure pain that's in our heart from the emotions of resentment, anger, revenge, hatred, disappointment, frustration, and discouragement by asking the questions in prayer and journaling the answers. This process will begin to quiet our hearts so that we can become attentive to the movements of the Holy Spirit guiding us through this process. So some of the questions in this process of silence and being attentive to what's in our hearts, some of the questions we also have to ask are like this. What negative emotions am I feeling? It is so important to be transparent with God. I always say it's as if we have to unveil before God. We can't hide anything before God. One of the things I learned in spiritual accompaniment is that many times as children, it was bad to be angry, to have resentment. So we have resentment in our hearts, yet we don't acknowledge that we have resentment to ourselves. We don't want to believe that we have resentment, but it's there. So the way we act, the way we react, when we enter this silence, we have to see and ask those questions. Why do I feel so much resentment or anger? How have I reacted? If we didn't do this process, if we reacted during a storm in our life, then we have to ask ourselves, how have I reacted? What did I say? How did I gaze? On page 292 of our path, number 105, the Lord taught us. He said, by being attentive to how you use your hands or fail to use your hands, how you gaze at others, and how the words flow from your lips, you will come to know the sin 
that remains in your hearts, my mother is forming each of you to be my living chalices. This process during the storms of our lives is one of the most beautiful and beneficial and fruitful processes for the making of us as living chalices, for the emptying of our hearts, emptying it of all that is not pure so that it can be filled with the blood of Christ. This process brings immense fruit of the Holy Spirit in the transformation of our hearts. The second thing we must do in this process, all of this is take heed, is give the negative emotions to Christ by acknowledging them, telling the Lord, here, I give you this, but remaining in the pure pain. I hear a lot in spiritual accompaniment, but I'm focused on my pain and know that's making me self-centered. And I say, no, 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 not at all. This is key to the way the Lord has formed us to be victim souls. The pure pain is what we must keep because the pure pain is what unites us to Christ. It's what the Holy Spirit uses to bring us, to draw us into the sacred heart of Jesus, to suffer with him, to become one with him. If we reacted in anger, we must repent. Remember the fruits of repentance. And there's always repentance in two ways, in confession and always apologizing to the person we hurt with our words or reaction. Number three, we have to suffer the pure pain with Christ. I, I hear a lot in spiritual accompaniment, Lourdes, the pain is so great from this piercing. How can I suffer this? And my answer always is alone by yourself, it's impossible but not with Christ. That's why Christ says to us to be yoked to him. And he says, my burden is light. When we are in that piercing, in that storm, in that pain, and we allow the Holy Spirit to see that pain of rejection, of abandonment in Christ, in his gaze, in his art, in his same suffering, we receive the grace of God himself to suffer that pain with him. Jesus cries in the Eucharist with us and for us. It is such it is the greatest gift of God to, to us, the Eucharist. Jesus remains with us, fully present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, to continue to suffer with us and for us. The past three days, as I was praying to the Lord for this teaching, he kept bringing me to the section of tears in our path on page 124 to 129. Of course, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but I felt that the Lord wanted me to share some things with you because we're talking about entering the pure pain of whatever storm God permits in our lives. And in this section of the path, some of the things that God highlighted for me were the, some of the words of Pope Francis when he says to the church, there is a worldly compassion which is useless. 
And then Pope Francis continues to say, only when he, speaking of Jesus, cried, and he was capable of crying, did he understand the dramatic reality of our lives. Our Pope goes on to tell us, and to, for us to have this question, have I learned how to weep? Pope Francis says, if you don't learn how to cry, you cannot be a good Christian. Be courageous. Don't be afraid to cry. Real men can cry because Jesus Christ, in the scriptures, we read how he cried because he is the man. The path goes on to tell us we can easily become dehumanized. We must act in the opposite direction and enter profoundly the pain and sorrow that we carry in our hearts, the pain of being rejected, abandoned, left alone, ridiculed, misunderstood, ignored. As we come to know and feel our own pain, we are able to feel the pain of others and cry with them. Then our tears become a participation in the mercy and compassion of Christ. On page 126, in number 36, the Lord said to us, my mother and I will cry for you, meaning humanity. Who will remain faithful during the great and terrible persecution? Remain with me and collect my tears to present them to the Father. When we are in a storm and our hearts have been pierced open, and we get in touch with that intense pain and we can unite through the power of the Holy Spirit into the love and pain in the sacred heart of Jesus and cry as one with Christ. This is the greatest prayer, the greatest blessing of the grace of the storm the Lord is permitting for us. This is the moment of intense fruitfulness for souls. Therefore, every mother and missionary of the cross, the first section of the path is always to help us get in touch in our hearts with our own pain. The pain we all repressed as a child Unless that pain is awakened, it is very difficult for our hearts to become fully human and divinized in Christ. That's why that process is so important. That section on page 126 goes on to say, as we collect his tears, suffering with him, the Holy Spirit restores our true identity. We share in his transformed humanity. To collect the tears of the God-man and to cry with him is the purest union of hearts. Pope Francis again in this section of the path says to us, Corrupted hearts have lost the capacity to cry. Conversion of heart is to move on from what does it matter to me to tears. Again, on number 37, 
on page 127 of the path, Jesus says to us, I desire for you to collect in your pure hands my tears of blood and to unite your tears with mine and raise them to the Father as one with the blood of my son. I'm sorry, this is our Blessed Mother teaching us. Every Mass, the power of the consecration of the Mass for each of us, what do we have to bring at that moment? Our tears. Every day when we go to Mass, mothers and missionaries of the cross, we must unite in the chalice of the precious blood of Jesus, our tears with Mary's and ask Abba to receive them through his son and to pour this union of blood in our tears upon the souls that he has asked of us to pray for, to sacrifice our lives for. This is how we raise up a holy priesthood, holy manhood and holy womanhood. In page 128, number 38, Jesus teaches us, and he tells us that the act of Mary Magdalene and Peter, in which they, he says, in which they come to me with tears of sorrow, is necessary to pierce the hardness of the human heart steeped in sin. That is why true repentance that brings us to tears for how we have offended God and others is has the power of God to pry open our hardened hearts to transform them. And then the Lord has a beautiful, towards the ending of this teaching, call to the mothers of the cross as one with Mary. And he says to the women, I desire that you awaken the hearts of my sons, meaning his priests, with tears and supplications as only a mother can. So I encourage you to ponder that section of the path. I have to tell you that the path should be your spiritual director during any storm. I was amazed during the piercing I recently received how before the Blessed Sacrament, I felt God wanted me to read the section on the hidden martyrdom of the heart and how I was in that intense pain to read those words in the path. I truly felt the Holy Spirit as my spiritual director teaching me, reminding me, showing me, encouraging me to suffer well. And I received so much wisdom, so much strength, so much peace from the path as I lived this process. In page 104 of our path, number 34, it says, Jesus says, be attentive to each person you encounter in your life. I live in them. I suffer for them and with them. This is my body, my little one. Have the docility of heart to receive the brokenness of all people into your heart as one with me. This is participation in the love of the Trinity. To receive the wounds of your brothers and sisters and to give the sacrifice of your life as one with me for their salvation and sanctification. This is love. My community, this is what the Lord desires from us as his victim souls, his victims of love to receive in our hearts the brokenness of others. This is most 
we lived to the greatest intensity and perfection in the midst of storms, especially if there's storms with other souls. The fruit of healing. I was very much touched by this page in the path on 117. One of the fruits of healing, the core wound, is that you find your heart freer. You can feel emotions that you had only read or heard about and feel to a more profound depth the emotions you already knew. Another fruit of healing is that when we come in touch with our interior life, with our hearts, we come to know ourselves and to be attentive to what is taking place within us. We no longer live disconnected from ourselves and others. When we lived in our wound, we were unhappy, afraid, depressed, in bad moods. We lived according to our emotions, but were not aware of what was taking place within us. A healed person is tuned in. This sensitivity becomes the means to live as victim souls, receiving the wounds of others and participating with Christ in their redemption. If we do not grow in the process of knowing ourselves and entering our own hearts with the Holy Spirit, we cannot become victim souls. If we cannot feel the intensity of our own pain, we cannot become victim souls. We cannot enter and touch and feel and receive the pain and the love of our beloved Jesus Christ. The capacity for us to give our lives for others, to suffer for them, to suffer with them, is the capacity to be able to feel a person that is alive, that is healthy, that lives in the Holy Spirit is a person that can feel, that can feel the good and that can feel the bad. To suffer intensely is also to love intensely. You are fully alive. The fourth part of take heed, during the storms, our hearts can feel wounded, as if pierced. And at that moment, when we are feeling wounded, hurt, vulnerable, scared, confused, angry, frustrated, discouraged, or resentful, When we've been shaken like the Israelites, the blessing of the grace of that particular storm, the grace of the knowledge of the condition of our hearts is available to us. That was key to our teaching last week. So the next important question in this process we must all live is, what is the blessing, which is the gift of knowledge of the Holy Spirit, God is revealing to me in this storm? There is a blessing in every storm. What is it? Each of us must discover that and write it in our journal. On page 437 of the path, number 148, Jesus taught us. This was the, the, the teaching on David and Goliath. And at the end of that teaching, Jesus says this. These stones, the five stones we all know, are your weapons for battle. For the dragon will not be defeated according to the standards of the world, but in the light of love. Therefore, my family, prepare for battle. Be attentive to me, my community. If we have not learned with the Holy Spirit 
to be attentive to our own hearts, it is impossible to be attentive to Christ and to even know the Holy Spirit, to even have the gift of the Holy Spirit of good discernment, like St. Ignatius of Loyola teaches. Jesus dwells within our hearts. Therefore, to come to know personally Christ, to be able to hear him, feel him, discern his voice, we must come to know and be attentive to what's in our hearts. We must come to know the voice of Satan that speaks in our hearts the lies we've learned in this community so that we know the truth of how God speaks to us. The fifth point in number one is spiritual accompaniment. When you enter a storm in your life or you are having difficulty with the thorn in your flesh, like St. Paul, this is what you bring to spiritual accompaniment in this community. I was thinking of the many times I was having a baby. I went with my husband to the Lamaz classes. We had months of, especially the, the first two, of learning what to do in delivery. It was so nice in the class with other couples, listening to the teacher, reading, you know, practicing the breathing. And then comes childbirth. And you enter the pains, the contractions. And what happens in the midst of the intensity of that pain? All of a sudden, you forgot everything. You're lost in the pain. You can't seem to process at all. You, you, you're stuck. There comes my coach, my husband. He, at that moment, takes over. And he helps me remember. He guides me through each stage of the delivery. This is what the beauty of spiritual accompaniment, the gift that we have in this community. In those moments of a storm, when you're in the intensity of that pain and you're struggling to work through this process, your spiritual accompanier is that coach that can tell you, okay, that can ask these questions for you if you forgot that can help you remember what you're forgetting in the intensity of that pain, that can help you live that storm well. Therefore, it's your op and, uh, responsibility to come to your accompanier. And those of you in this community that accompany, it is your responsibility to remember these questions because you've lived them, because they've become part of you to help guide that man or woman in our community through this process. I have a special note here for the men. And this is from the path on page 299 that Pope Francis speaks of St. Joseph. And he says, how does Joseph respond to his calling to be the protector of Mary, Jesus, and the church by being constantly attentive to God, open to the signs of God's presence, and receptive to God's plans, and not simply to his own. Joseph is a protector because he is able to hear God's voice and be guided by his will. And for this reason, he is all the more sensitive to the persons entrusted to his safekeeping. And it goes on to say at the bottom of that page, 299, men are protectors of their wives and families. Priests are protectors of the church, the bride of Christ. They defend them if they are attacked physically but sometimes our men fail to realize that God has entrusted them with the protection of the hearts as well. If our men 
cannot go deep into their own hearts, they are not able to protect the hearts of their wives, their daughters, their sons. If priests cannot enter and know their own hearts, they cannot protect the hearts of their flock, the flock of Christ. And in the next few minutes, I want to finish this first point by entering a theme I promised you last week that I would get to, and that is how to spiritually battle the thorn in the flesh of pornography. We spoke about how the temptation of pornography, masturbation, can actually be a thorn in your flesh. So I want to go through some of the things I put, and this is what I have jotted from experience of speaking to priests, to seminarians, to lay single men, and to married men. And through the years, these are some of the things that I feel the Holy Spirit has taught me. And I keep, I should say the Holy Spirit keeps moving my heart to bring this to the community because we're a community of victim souls. And this is one of the greatest battles as a community we must fight. So here are some of the things. First of all, we must understand every man and woman in this community. Pornographic addiction has serious consequences. It destroys relationships, destroys marriage. In a priest, addiction to pornography completely destroys the power that he has through his ordination. It destroys his ability to have healthy relationships. The priest is the protector of the church, the bride of Christ. So just as a husband with a, pro with a problem with pornography brings disorder into his family, into his marriage, a priest with this disorder and seminarian brings also this disorder into the church. So, how to battle this? First, they need to be attentive to anything that triggered the temptation. I hear from many men stress. Stress is a trigger. If you come to know that this is a trigger, you have to start to deal with means, healthy means with stress. I know from experience, for example, I will have many priests send me a text message, Lourdes, and this is what they tell me. I feel the temptation is beginning to come. So they know when it's coming. And that's important because it's giving them time to prepare for the battle. And that's a really healthy thing that a priest can text me and say, Lord, is it's coming? And I immediately, as a spiritual mother, start to pray. And I send him a text message of animal. We're in this together. We're fighting this together. You're not alone. Immediately, that priest is strengthened. Another point. You must immerse yourself in the Immaculate Heart of Mary and in the Chaste Heart of St. Joseph and pray to the Holy Spirit to help you. Also, elicit the protection and help of St. Michael. Grab the Rosary and the Cross, two powerful, um, concrete um What's the word? Um, sacramental. sacramental. Thank you. Next. And this, I would say, is so important. As any image comes into your mind, because what happens many times in the temptations of pornography or anybody that's been in pornography, the images they've seen, Satan will use to bring them into their mind. And it is a horrible 
torment for them. So this is one of the things. As any image comes into your mind, listen carefully. My beautiful men, see your daughters, son, niece, nephew, mother, wife, sister, and see them, see their faces in those images being forced into human trafficking. See the pure faces. If you are looking at a pornographic image and you're seeing the face of a woman you do not know, put the face of your daughter or your sister or your wife or your mother in that face and see their pure faces in the horror of those sexual abuses. Something else to do. Enter the suffering of the torment, knowing your weakness, but trusting in the strength and power of Christ crucified as a warrior fighting to protect women and children. My community, we must understand the fight against pornography is a huge battle. Any man or woman in the temptation of pornography must see it immediately. It's no longer about me. It's about others. They must see themselves, our men, especially missionaries of the cross, must hear, see themselves as the warriors, as the bronze wall, fighting that horrible temptation, that torment, and seeing it as a fight for the protection. You are protectors, the protection of all women and children. That is how you must see the temptation into pornography. This must be seen as war. As long as you remain entangled with Satan, you are his puppet spreading his darkness in the world. Instead of saving souls, you are cutting the graces that they could be receiving from you as a victim soul. Think of the image of a feeding tube. Every mother and missionary of the cross, we are connected to Christ. And it's like we are the feeding tube to grace to souls. The moment a missionary of the cross, a priest, enters pornography, that tube is cut off. The grace that you're supposed to be bringing as victim souls or a priest to souls is cut off. That's how serious this is. The words in 2 Corinthians of St. Paul in chapter 12, verse 7 through 10, are very important for our men. I know that I'm going over but I want to go over tonight because this is so important. It says in 2 Corinthians, and to keep me from being too elated by the abundance of revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. Look at how St. Paul is saying how he was harassed, tormented by Satan with this thorn in his flesh. To keep me from being too elated. Three times 
I besought the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weakness, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have had seminarians write me, and they're a little confused <laughs> because it's as if they feel sometimes I, 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 I gather that this talk of weakness is a green light to give in to pornography or masturbation. It's not. What St. Paul is saying is the opposite. St. Paul is saying, for the sake of Christ, St. Paul enters all of this that I'm telling you, and he fights like a warrior. He receives the strength of the Holy Spirit to not cave in to the horrific harassment Satan is giving him. The lies, the lies, the lies are from Satan. These are some of the lies. The temptation, this temptation is greater than I am. I am too weak. That is a lie. Christ is much stronger than the temptation. Another lie. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm alone on the internet. That's a lie. Pornography is going to help my sexuality. That's a lie. Pornography is not going to help any married man or single married man, or I mean, or single man that is having any kind of sexual difficulties. It's a lie. The truth sets us free. During this battle, you must, must, Fight those lies with the truth. The next thing you must do in the battle against pornography and this temptation, call on the help of your wife, spiritual mother, or brother in Christ to unite with you in prayer, especially the prayer of the rosary. In Rome, I encourage, we encourage, love crucified, all those seminarians to band together. I said, you knock on your brother's door. You be transparent with him. My, my friend, I'm struggling. Will you pray with me? One of the biggest temptations of Satan is to isolate you. Once you're isolated and you don't ask for help, he comes in for the kill. It's a battle, my family. It's war. You can't fight a war by yourself. Do not hide. Be transparent and do not be ashamed to share your struggle with the men and women of prayer that God has placed in your lives. The next thing, the work of entering the root system of this disorder must, must, my family, also take place because God wants to set you free. The infected wounds at the core of these disordered tendencies need to be purified so that you can become God's warrior against these demons. You must understand that when the door of your heart was open to impurity, even if it happened as a child, demons entered your heart. You are now at war with very strong demons that want to destroy you, your family, and the church. Therefore, the work of the path is essential to get to the root system of the pornography. And finally, this is special note to the Mothers of the Cross of this community. The hidden life of the Mother of the Cross holds the power of God to help our men. My sisters, what will you do 
if you find out your husband or son is in pornography, as a mother of the cross, how is our blessed mother teaching us to fight at her side for the men in our lives? The women must understand that it is nothing to do with her. The tendency of us women, if any of us go through this, is immediately to enter our wound of rejection, to feel that we are not attractive enough to our husbands or that we have failed them. That's what Satan wants. He wants to place the women, the wives, in our woundedness so we cannot battle as the women with Mary were called to battle with. This is very important. If any of the women in this community are battling this, you must remember it is not about you. This is the brokenness, the woundedness, the disorder and addiction in your husband. It's not about you. And yet we have a great, great power to help our men, our fathers, our husbands, our sons, our priests, our seminarians. Here, we become the Joan of Arcs, battling for our men to the end. We must, as women, believe that suffering this wound of impurity with the Lord will set a husband, father, son, priest free. This must be the joy of every mother of the cross, even if it is not our husband, son, nephew, or priest in our life that we see being healed. The grace of suffering this pain with Christ is never lost. And it is, it is bringing life to others. Therefore, as a community, we must band together, mothers of the cross and missionaries of the Christ, of the cross, to battle against the demons of pornography, of impurity that are destroying our, our world and destroying countless, countless souls of priests and seminarians. So with this I end tonight, I, I thank you, and I think there's a lot here to bring to the men's group and mother's group on Saturday. So God bless all of you. <laughs>